Welcome to the Metagenics Clinical Podcast, where natural healthcare practitioners can hear innovative, cutting-edge information from leading experts from around the world. So joining me today is Lee Seagull from Day 2 in Israel. It's her morning and it's my afternoon, so we've coordinated times, and I'm great to be, have the opportunity to chat to Lee So welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on this uh, podcast. Great opportunity. Excellent. So... We've been exposed a little bit to the uh, the work from the Weizmann Institute, particularly uh, with around Segal on the microbiome and how that can shape the personalised nutrition. And and essentially, your company has, um, in collaboration with Iran and his group, have uh, uh, created an app and released it for consumers. So today, I wanted to talk about the app and and its application and the um, ins and outs of it and and what you're finding from it. So um, maybe if you can just briefly describe. Uh, your um, your affiliation with uh, Day Two and and Iran and how you got involved and the uh, genesis of this app. Sure. Um, so uh, we founded the company Day Two uh, about two years ago. Uh, three founders: myself, uh, Yuval Ofek, and Marius Nacht. So the three of us uh, have um, exclusively licensed the technology from the Weizmann Institute that was developed by the. Uh, the two scientists, Professor uh, Iran Segal, as you mentioned, and Professor Iran Alinev. And we can uh, touch a little bit about their you know, science and what they did. But they, they, in a nutshell, developed an algorithm uh, that knows how to predict for each person the glycemic response, the blood sugar response, to a variety of meal and meal combinations and food. And it's a, it's a complex thing because we're very... Uh, different in the way that we respond to food, each of us. Um, and so they built that technology. We took that technology, um, as I said, on an exclusive license. And what we're trying to do is really bring it to each and every one of us. Um, and that's how we're doing with with this service. And you know, we can dive more into it, but I think we need some background on the science. And so if, if it's okay, I can yeah, dive into that. absolutely, please. Okay, so... So it really started off, um, I want to say about seven years ago now, when the two scientists have, uh, they, they joined forces. They're both, uh, they both have independent labs. Um, and Professor Segal is more on a computational uh, biology and uh, Professor Alinav is an MD and immunologist. But they are both uh, studying uh, the microbiome and the relations between the microbiome and health and disease in a variety of, of different studies. And they decided to look at nutrition and how nutrition is related to blood sugar levels. Um, the reason they looked at blood sugar levels is because um, they were trying to find a way to really answer the question, what's healthy nutrition or uh, what's healthy food? Um, and what they found was that in all the studies that were done uh, previously on nutrition and health, uh, it was really an outcome that had to do with weight loss. Like, how do you know something is healthy for you or a diet is, is good? It's really because it's, uh, it affects how you, you know, gain or lose weight. And also just various, um, uh, you know, like blood metrics that have to do maybe with heart, of, uh, heart disease, risk for heart disease and, and things like that. Uh, they, for the first time, uh, focused on something very different. They focused on the blood sugar response that people have after they eat. 
Um, so uh, in, in the body, what happens is that when we eat, the body digests the food and translates, uh, kind of breaks it down into simple sugar. And that simple sugar is released into the bloodstream. And then that's what we say, you know, your blood sugar goes up. Um, it's a bad, uh, it's, it's something that the body uh, tries to deal with by uh, secreting insulin into the, into the bloodstream. And then the insulin is responsible for actually pulling that you know, sugar from the blood into the cells and storing it as fat. So that's what happens when we eat. Um, what they, they looked at was how high does a person's blood sugar level spike after the meal? So what they found was in the, in the trial that they did on a thousand people was that people spike differently on different things. So you can eat your piece of bread and I'll eat exactly the same piece of bread. Um, and we're both healthy. And for, you know, for example, it's not that you're more, you know, sick than I am. It's like, we're both supposed to react the same, but we react very differently. Your blood sugar level can spike high and mine can, you know, just be normal, even though I ate that piece of bread. Um, and they found that different combinations for people make a difference. So bread and butter would spike for some people, but not for others. And, uh, and what they, and, and the actual spikes in the food are an independent risk factor for disease. So as a healthy person or as somebody, you know, that's really just trying to figure out what needs to eat to, to be healthy, um, the actual spikes have been linked to overall mortality and to cancer and to diabetes and, and to, you know, cardiovascular disease. So anybody really needs to uh, maintain a healthy diet by managing the blood sugar levels. And of course, um, it's, a, it's the way, as I explained before, that we gain and lose weight. So as you spike high, then more insulin is secreted into the bloodstream and more sugar is stored as fat. And it also brings you sometimes below baseline. So you get hungry and you get cravings and it just gets so much more difficult to, to stick to your diet when you actually are spiking. Um, and then, so they really found that people spike differently on different things and each of us spike differently on, on foods. So an apple can spike high for someone, but he can, you know, maybe eat a pear and it would be okay or different combinations would be different. And then uh, they designed an algorithm because the real secret sauce here is how do we know to predict? It's not enough to say you are different than I am. How do we know what's good for you and what's good for me? And then they built a machine learning algorithm using the big data that they collected on the trial and were able to, to build a statistical model that knows how to predict based on certain information what's going to be the response. And then what we did is really turn this into a digital therapeutic kind of platform or digital health platform. Uh, so we have our users coming online and providing us information with questionnaires uh, medical history, you know, what they like to eat, how much, um, you know, exercise they do a day, a variety of questions. And they get uh, shipped home a kit that allows them to do a microbiome test, which is basically a stool sample. Um, they ship it back to us with, you know, just USPS or whatever uh, messenger and uh, delivery. And, uh, and we analyze those, the stool. So we have a lab and we're doing full shotgun sequencing, um, which is really a method of DNA sequencing of the gut microbiome that is very, very deep in its analysis. Um, 
in its in its sequencing, I mean. So some companies would do 16S if you heard um, about it, and it's really just more about uh, the diversity or the combina- or the uh, population, um, which types are there, and uh, in, in what uh, abundance. Uh, when you're doing full shotgun sequencing, you're really kind of doing the whole genome. You're looking at all the genes. Uh, you can go into the functionalities, CAG pathways, uh, really start to dig into additional information there. And, and we chose that method because it just gives you so much predictivity predictivity in our algorithm compared to the 16S. Um, and so that's kind of what we're doing. So we analyze the, school, the stool, and then with that and based on the questionnaire, and we also ask people if they have blood tests to provide blood tests. Um, if they have a continuous glucose monitor, we're happy to use that information as well. So it really, um, as much information as we can get, the better. And then we predict for you through an app, what are the foods that are going to be better for you and what are the food combinations that are better. So people really can have uh, recommendations for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, you know, a variety of meals that we score from A plus to C minus. Um, also just on foods um, like apple, you know, fruits and vegetables and dairy and, and meat. Um, and we allow people to have uh, a function called build your own meal in which they really can compute anything they want. So, you know, if we didn't talk, you know, one of our recommendations was not exactly what you would want to eat, then you could just build your own, um, you know, and say, I'm going to have chicken, rice and broccoli for dinner. What's my score? And the, the real-time um, predictive engine that was built personally for you knows how to deal with any combination that you put in. That's fascinating. I've got plenty of notes. I want to just um, break down the three areas, back to the um, study that you discussed, then we'll talk about the, the testing, and then back to the app, finally with the app. So just um, just to read. More just a recap. So the the researchers Sigal and Elenev were looking at the postprandial glucose response after meals, and they they feel that is a, a marker, um, a predictor of health or disease. How how high your blood sugar increases after a certain food, and then so it does raise the question about the the whole glycemic index. Basic essentially, what, from my take and looking at the research, it almost challenges the the one size fits all that uh, rice will give you so so much on the, the glycemic index versus sugar versus apple versus chocolate and so forth it really seemed to be uh, variable in, you know, on the individual so one person could get a much higher uh, blood sugar spike on on rice yet a lower increase on ice cream and vice versa with other participants is that is that correct uh, yes, that's totally correct. That's what they found. Um, that it's really a, um, a response that is personalized, and you can't really go with a glycemic index. And also because the glycemic index, although it is an average, and we see the glycemic index in the data, it's just really important to say as well. So right. the glycemic index of a food is really of um, you know taking people and measuring them and averaging it. Yes, and as opposed, and when you average, you lose the variability. So what we're doing is not losing the variability. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, but we are also saying that it's all about the combinations, and that's something the glycemic index does not tell you. The combinations, because usually, yeah, usually yeah. you don't eat the like a glycemic index of pasta is X, right? But yep. you eat pasta with right with uh, meatballs and pasta with sure. cream sauce and pasta sure. with tomato sauce. It's not the same. Yes. And so at that point, the glycemic index just doesn't help you. 
Um, and also the glycemic load, because if you're just looking at carbs, it's not enough as well. It's a good predictor as you add carbs into the meal, for sure. For most people, blood sugar goes up on average. But when you're looking at you know specific personalized um, features, then it just gets so much more accurate. Yeah, great. So yeah, two people could have a, a same complex meal, say pasta with meatballs and sauce and cheese and so forth, yet still get a varied um, glycemic response to that meal. Yeah. Okay, and so just the other thing I wanted to really highlight was um, with that algorithm they developed, obviously they looked at several parameters like waist circumference and weight and your sleep last night and when you last ate and so forth, But and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, that the biggest determinant um, which is the uh, generated your uh, app was that the microbiome could predict who responded better or worse to certain foods. Is that correct? Yeah, so the microbiome, the way we use it, and I think it's important also to understand, it's, it's another feature, it's a significant feature, but it's a feature in the algorithm in terms of predictability. So just like we're saying, you know, your age and your BMI and some blood tests could be important for us in the, in the value and the predictivity, that's what we're saying about the microbiome as well. We're not trying to say, uh, we're not trying to prove causality. Sure. So it's, it's just, we're not saying because you have this microbiome that causes this response. That is not something we know to say. I don't think anybody knows how to say it. Yes. What we do see is that that's a really good way to use for, the, for predicting what's good for you um, because it helps with the personalization and it helps with uh, the predictivity of the model. Okay, that, that certainly helps clear that up. So, okay, so a person uh, signs up for day two, they uh, do their microbiome stool test, they may add some bloods and the questionnaires and so forth, and that helps generate uh, the data and, and make the algorithm. My first question is with the, the microbiome test is, do you then have to do a follow-up periodically if um, your microbiome is changing through, through the diet that you're eating and, and the stresses and, and everything else that happens in, in life? Right. So let's. It's a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit of, uh, of unclarity on the on the changing of microbiome, kind of in the way people understand yeah. this. Uh, the microbiome changes. So everybody knows that the microbiome changes, and you know you're in jet lag, and you fly, and it changes, and you eat, and it changes during the day, and that's all true. The microbiome does move and change, but it's surprisingly very hard to change the microbiome. Um, kind of in a consistent way or sustainable way, which means that it, it changes, but it goes back to where it was. You take antibiotics, you wipe it out, it yep. goes back to where it was. Um, and, and so the, the just really doing changes that are, that are sustainable is difficult. And what we see is that it's like two separate questions. Does the microbiome move? It does. Is it sustainable? No. Um, when you go on our program, does it change uh, – into a direction it does is is it a good direction you know in the trial we saw that it moves in a direction that is beneficial in any place that science had anything to say about these associations it's very early so we're very careful to okay. say you know anything about we change it for the better or for the worse it, but what we do see on the recommendation side is that it's built more on the differences between people so a person could change, but they still change in kind of their area as compared to somebody else. Um, 
And so we don't anticipate uh, very big changes okay. in the recommendations based on the changes in the microbiome, but we, you know, we're happy to show changes, you know, before and after for purposes of, of curiosity and, uh, you know, so we are going to retest people or offer people to retest, but it's probably not going to be a must um, on a periodic basis. Okay, great. So as you mentioned, you're doing the, the shotgun sequence uh, method, which is the next generation as opposed to the 16, 16S RNA. So these tests are beginning to become available in Australia for many of our practitioners who are listening. Can you just briefly um, differentiate between those again just to get an understanding? Yeah, so the 16S is really looking at the at the uh, composition um, of the of the bacteria. So really looking at um, I, I want to say like a higher class of detail, and really looking to see what the abundance is. So so you you more know what is in there, you less know uh, what are the genes, what are the functionalities. So when you're doing 16, when you're doing full shotgun, it, you're really mapping out. Um, like like a whole genome, like the, all the genes yes. that are there, and then you can really look um, more into the functionalities uh, when you're starting your research. It just gives you more, you know, kind of information under the hood okay. than just looking high level into, you know, yep. this type or that type. Now there is a in the paper as well. They mention a couple species that were linked um, to either to obesity or being lean, and how once the the participant went on their um, their good diet for whatever that was individually, that those species changed for the better. Uh, are you guys looking for specific species, like almost hero species, amongst all the the potentially thousands of species in the microbiome? So we, we're definitely doing that. What we're looking, um, it's like it's it's two different things, right? We have uh, uh, a very large database at this point that's also based on what the Weizmann did. But since then, um, you know, thousands of customers have provided us additional information, including, uh, by the way, continuous glucose monitoring, because in Israel, uh, we are putting a continuous glucose monitor on every customer for about uh, a week to two. Okay. Um, it's just an over-the-counter here. So it was, you know, very simple to do. And it just gives us a lot more data. So we've uh, tripled the data since then. And um, what we're now looking is really to research the database and look at the link between the microbiome uh, and, and, as you said, specific uh, species in the microbiome to really look at the linkage to uh, healthy and disease states that we know about our uh, population. But also, um, not less interesting, is how that links into the nutrition that people are eating. Or can we, at some point, uh, be able to provide you your personalized nutrition t- for changing the gut microbiome and putting it mm-hmm. into a healthier state? And not just looking at you know glycemic response, but just saying, we, need, we know how to get you from point A to point B, Point um, B being the healthier state that you know maybe we proved it or other has, other scientists have proved it, um, yes. but what, for sure we know how to you know link the nutrition okay. to that to the microbiome. So that's also very interesting to look at. All right, well let's dive into that. Uh, first, I might just briefly describe, and you can add to it. You probably know more than myself that the results from that um, original study with um, Narendra Gaur, where they 
they put they use the algorithm to predict a, a, a bad diet for a person, which could actually include potentially um, what would typically consider healthy foods. They had that for a week and monitored their blood gl- glucose response after meals. Then they switched them to a good diet based on the, the, the their algorithm, which could actually contain. I think in in two people it was pizza was their good food, and, and uh, several people several people hummus was their their quote unquote bad food. And they again monitored their blood glucose for a week and looked at the results and I think it was at 10 out of the 12 patients, uh, there was a significant reduction in their postprandial glucose response um, from the bad diet to the good diet. And I must point out, the two the two that didn't get significant, so their the bad diet didn't really elevate their blood glucose anyway. So I'm curious if they were just really super healthy and or whatever reason they could uh, to- tolerate yeah. bad foods as well. But the ones that seemed to have a really adverse uh, response to the their bad diet typically got a really um, significantly lower response to their their good foods so um the 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 fascinating thing was the the individualization and potentially the seemingly um, poor food choices may be good food choices which um, piques a lot of people's interest because they i think most people want to be able to eat ice cream and and pizza and Mm -hmm. (laughs) without any guilt perhaps so um perhaps if you can tell um us about your results uh so far with your your um customers and mm-hmm. um and the application so uh it's been released in israel and the us is that correct yes it's been released in both and and for sure we saw we see what you know what was shown in the trial we see a variability um across people we see that people have uh, a lot of misconceptions and what they can eat so everybody has surprises uh, about what's healthy and what's not uh, for them um, and as i continuously say it's all about the combination so and we have you know somebody who's just you know a family member of one of our co- of our uh, co-workers who loves oatmeal in the morning and oatmeal was a c for that like a, a bad score for them spikes their blood sugar levels and it's really about the combination so like oatmeal with milk or whatever that we're eating yes in there's really a way for most people to be able to continue to eat the things that they like eating uh, in a different combination that raises the score from C to an A. So if you okay. love eating apples, uh, but apple is a, is usually a C uh, or is a is a C for that person, then there's a combination of how you eat an apple. I don't know. You can maybe put peanut butter on it. I'm just saying as yes, an example. Yes. And all of a sudden, it's good, or you can eat it with a combination of, of a certain protein, or you know, some yogurt or cheese. Um, same goes for beverages, yeah, or, you know, wine or, or beer. Uh, it's really, I think, the, the major takeaway that I had from this, for me personally, yes. was that I should I should always eat combinations of things, especially when I'm you know eating carbs. Let's say this specifically, when you're eating a carb, then there's a lot of um, ways to eat it that are healthier. Um, and for sure, there's surprises, right? Like my vegetable salad was my number one spiking food. Wow. Which is, which is horrible, right? Because <laughs> I lived on them. I mean, I'm on a diet my entire life, and all of a sudden, my diet is, is uh, it was effective, and I, you know, because I was kind of fighting it and, and keeping to my portions and everything. Yes. But now, after I just went through my day and I made some small changes to every meal, and it just became so much easier. The hunger went away, the cravings went away, and it's uh, it's it just became 
food that I like and I was avoiding. And all of a sudden I, I realized I can. So sometimes it's snacks, right? Usually it's about the snacks that we are getting excited about. And people have to snack. Uh, people have to eat, you know, at some point, once a week, twice a week, whatever. Something that's considered to be less healthy. And there's things there that are, are healthier than others. So I'm not going to say that ice cream is healthy for you, right? It's not healthy for you. It doesn't have any minerals. It doesn't have any vitamins. Um, it's not a, you know, we're not telling people to eat ice cream all day. But we are telling people that when they snack, there's healthier snacks for them because the blood sugar level doesn't rise. So it's less of a, of a bad effect. And more importantly, we're saying to people, some things that you think were good for you yes. are not. And that's okay. even more important to learn, right? Yeah. Uh, if you think brown rice is good for you, then no, it's not. Or it needs to be eaten in a certain combination to be healthy. Just before we go continue, I just wanted to clarify the, the scoring system. So say you're about to sit down to a meal and you input the, the apple and it comes up with a, a C-. minus. What, what are the ranges uh, on the app and what, are the, what sort of foods can you input into it? So uh, we score A plus to C minus. There was like nine okay. different ca scoring uh, categories. Um, and you can compute anything into the app that we have in our database. And, it, you know, so the database really would be the limitation factor on what you can get a score on. Um, and it, we're using, of course, two different databases for Israel and for the U.S. U.S. we're using MyNet Diary. So there's a lot, lot of combination of food in there. Also uh, restaurants and brands and um, it's getting, uh, so there's a lot of work that we're doing on the database, uh, to get it, uh, you know, to be wider. Sometimes we, um, um, yeah, um, there's like 400,000 foods there yeah. in, in the mine out there. So anything in there is basically something you can get a score on. Okay. So yeah, C minus to, to A plus. Is there a What's your power or break even? Like if you can get to a B, then uh, you encourage the, pay, uh, the, the users to, to go oh, with that? We're, we're, we're telling people the following guidelines. Try to eat only A meals, okay. not a B. Yep. So, you know, A minus, A, A plus, as much as you can. And that can be achieved um, pretty easily. Like as I said, like if you yeah, apple, yeah, yeah. Add, no, there's a lot of food that are A's. Yep. There's food combinations that are A's yes. for sure. Um, of course, you know, nothing happens if once in a while you eat a B or you eat a C. It's, it's okay. We're mm -hmm. going to future of our versions that are going to be released within, I think, like two months or so, are going to have your daily score, are going to have like a meal planner in there. And then we're going to score your blood sugar response, like blood sugar score for the day. So you will be able to see that even if you ate a B here and there, you know, what's your total daily score, weekly score. Um, so that's the recommendation. And we're also recommending people to remember that there's calories okay. that they need yep. to watch. So we're giving people, they're, they're just based on the regular Mifflin uh, formula, uh, how much calories they should eat a day uh, to maintain their weight. Of course, if they want to lose weight, they need to take some off. And uh, so it's not an open check to eat whatever <laughs> that's been, you want. Yeah, and how, you know, it's always about portions. Of course, exercise, you know, getting a balanced diet, getting enough minerals and, you know, vegetables and vitamins. Um, again, future versions will count those things as well, uh, both the minerals and the vitamins, just to, to allow people to, to see that they're uh, getting enough of those. Um, and it's really a message that, you know, there's surprising foods 
but don't get confused. You still need to eat, <laughs> still, um, yeah. you know, portion and healthy and exercise. Otherwise, sure. it's, it's a combination. It's a lifestyle thing. So the, the laws of thermodynamics still apply to um, the calories and so of forth. Course. <laughs> of course. It's not the magic diet by any means. Okay. <laughs> um, so I want to move on to the, the results you're seeing, but I might just um, preface that with the, and you may again know more than I, but the... The Weizmann group are now doing clinical trials with this algorithm. So the initial study was on healthy people for 10 days, but now they're applying this to patients with obesity and metabolic syndrome and so forth. And I believe they're comparing it to a Mediterranean diet. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see what will um, unfold there. Is that, have you heard much, anything about the, the research ongoing? Yeah, no, of course, of course. So, so let's, uh, let's make some order into the science here. Um, well, first of all, there's the, the as you said, the clinical trial, a thousand people. Uh, based on the, those thousand people, they built the algorithm, and then they did the intervention stage on 26 people. So that was the kind of phase one, phase oh, yes. two, um, and that was more um, what was you know clearly proven there was that uh, they know how to normalize postprandial glucose post meal glucose response. Uh, what we did, by the way, is replicate that trial with the Mayo Clinic. Um, mm. That's something that's going on, has been going on for uh, since, I want to say, since the early 2016 or uh, mid, um, uh, where am I in the years? Uh, no, kind of at the end of 2016, we started. So that's been going on. There's uh, about 350 people already profiled going exactly through whatever the Weizmann had them going through. So getting a, a continuous glucose monitor, providing them with test foods, getting their microbiome. Um, really, and the purpose of that was really just to collect more uh, U.S. data uh, so we can, you know, build the algorithm also based on American food, American, American nutrition, and American microbiome. And really see that the algorithm is, you know, of course, applicable. And, you know, that was, we're past that point, um, which is why we're selling it right now in the U.S., yeah. of course. So that's, uh, but it was really important for us to enhance um, the database with Americans as well, and not just with Israelis. So we're, we've, done, we've done that. And then the longer-term trials with the Weizmann Institute are really about, uh, as you said, comparing uh, the algorithm diet to the Mediterranean diet. Uh, and that is really because the aim here is to become the new standard of care, of course. So uh, it was really important for them and also for us to be able to show this uh, in more medical claims, uh, medical outcomes, so HbA1c and looking at fatty liver and looking at, uh, you know, the postprandial glucose response over a period of a year. And that is a really intervention mode, right? It's really people getting diets throughout uh, the year. And there's also a trial in gestational diabetes, but that's uh, kind of right. a different disease with a different population. Um, so, so that's that's on the science, um, you know, side. Uh, in terms of our customers, what we've seen from our customers is that people, and we have a, a variety, right? We have our healthy people, we have pre-diabetics. And um, I think in the past six months or so, since we've opened this for type 2 diabetics as well, uh, we're getting a lot more diabetic patients because this is clearly something very applicable for them. And it works very well on them. The signal, of course, they, they, you know, they have much more extreme responses than maybe a healthy person. Okay. 
Um, and so it works very well for them as well. And so what we've seen is that people who are actually using and following our recommendations, uh, again, it's self-reported, but mm. for those who claim that they are doing it and using it and, you know, usage, of course, we can see in the app in the in the databases, um, then they're reporting uh, greater outcomes, like they're reporting great outcomes in terms of their uh, blood sugar levels, weight loss, uh, general energy, feeling. Um, so uh, really across all of those uh, outcomes that we were expecting to see, so weight loss and, and, and blood sugar levels, but also energy. And, you know, let's pause for a second, if it's okay with yeah. you on the energy side. Absolutely. Um, the, the reason, you know, people have enhanced energy is because that when your blood sugar levels spike and then a lot of insulin is, is in your system, you go below baseline, as we mentioned. And, and then not only do you get hungry and cravings, but you also lose energy. That's the point that we say, oh, God, I just ate you know, this enormous meal. I'm dying to go to sleep or I need some, you know, my four o'clock, uh, you know, snack to perk me up again. It's usually because we slump after we eat, but that's just because we're eating the wrong things. Um, what we've seen is uh, we have uh, we've been approached. Actually, it wasn't a target audience, but we were approached in Israel by um, a coach, one of the yeah. uh, uh, national basketball team uh, coaches, yeah. and he said, "You know, this could be very interesting. I'm trying to find a way to balance blood sugar levels for my uh, players because I've seen that this is very effective." in getting them balanced and energized and not having them, you know, lose their energy while they're in the performance accordingly while they're in a game. And so I really want to try this out. I think you may be, you know, on the verge of a breakthrough. And we said, okay, no problem. We had him tested. And then he brought on board an Israeli uh, that is an NBA player. So um, somebody, our only Israeli NBA player is called uh, Omri. Uh, Caspi, and he now he now plays for the uh, Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. So Omri uh, went through the profiling, and he actually started eating according to this, and he saw a very big difference. And he's very excited about the company in general, but also uh, really walking around and eating accordingly. Um, and it's funny, I, I at some point said, you know, Omri, nothing's going to happen if once in a while you eat a B, and he's like, oh no. <laughs> Now that you told me what an A is, I will never eat a B, right? So, um, but that's just a highly motivated, you know, athlete, yes. professional athlete. Yes. Yes. Um, and so we really started, it's not a target audience per se. Um, we're really focused on disease and, and diabetics. Um, but it's really an, a good example on how this can, you know, really help a very wide uh, variety of people because everybody needs to some extent to manage their blood sugar levels for various reasons. That, that's, uh, that's fascinating and very exciting, and it's great to hear those, um, those early reports. Any other non-metabolic, for want of a better term, uh, anecdotes you're hearing, say joint pain, arthritis, or memory, or any other areas that you've received anecdotes about people on this, using the app and the diet? I think uh, we've seen uh, you know, mentioning of skin, Okay. Like the skin looks better. Um, I didn't, don't think I had anybody saying anything about arthritis. Oh, they were just random ones. I oh, thought. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. No. I'm. I'm. And again, we don't. Uh, we're, we're not collecting that feedback. So yeah. you know, maybe we could ask. Um, it's more about uh, you know weight loss, blood sugar levels. We had people reporting TSH levels. 
Um, yeah. yeah, things like that in, in just blood tests that people do. But it's really anecdotal. Like, yeah. no way can we say anything, you know, about that. Um, and any impressive um, large weight you loss You know, general stories? overall feeling better, feeling uh, better in, in terms of, uh, you know, bloating and stuff like that. Okay, but again, very anecdotal. Yep. Gut, thyroid. Well, that's that's very encouraging. And any any um, interesting anecdotes of of rapid, not rapid, but like large weight loss and sustained weight loss. So yeah, I mean, people have reported weight loss for um, after using starting to use the app. Um, and is it sustainable? It's still early to say, right? It's yeah. uh, it's only been you know, I mean, the early people. And by the time they got, you know, we opened it and we were profiled, and especially in Israel, it was with the monitor. It takes a lot longer. So yeah, we have about yeah. people with six yeah. months of experience here, um, maybe a little more, uh, but not much more. So, so people, I mean, we're right now really collecting a lot. We're like calling people up and asking them uh, before and afters. And yes, um, you know, people have reported weight loss and not weight gain. Um, yep, that's about the, the okay. you know the time yep. of experience that we have. Um, and practicality of one of the questions that springs to mind if you've got, say, a family or a couple uh, both doing this, does it conflict any of the time when they're about to sit down and have dinner? Or again, is that when it just comes to that adjusting the, the um, additives, whether it's um, some fat or protein to the meal, that will sort of help um, make life a bit easier if the, uh, the person doesn't have to cook several meals? Right, right. Yeah, we haven't actually looked at that. I mean, on the science side, by the way, there's uh, there's evidence to show that uh, when you live in the same household, you have a more similar, by the way, microbiome True. Than, than maybe, you know, people who are not living together. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily say that the results are, are um, you know, are identical or anything like that by far. Of course, they're not. Um, and yeah, and I think that in terms of... Um, when you cook at home, it's much easier, right, to play around with the things that you need. Yeah. Um, but we really have not. We, we were thinking of releasing at some point kind of an app for families, a kind of a feature, I mean, for, for families to cross between, you know, their meals and see, you know, the combinations that are yeah. going to be easier for them. Um, but I think that people, you know, among two or three dishes really, yeah, as you said, they can play around with it and. Uh, have more of this and more of that and find the combinations that are easier. Okay, great. All right, well, uh, we'll wrap up a moment. moment. Uh, before we do, I'm curious to see, hear your, your thoughts and vision. So tell me where day two are at now with the, the size and scope and, and what's your, your dream or where would you like to see day two over the next several years and decade? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, we were about 30 employees right now. Um, we raised money, so, you know, we have – uh, runway to really act upon what we want to do, um, and I think uh, we're kind of we kind of sometimes um, are viewed like a personalized nutrition company, but we're, we really are as a microbiome company. So, what we really anticipate is fueling our gut microbiome database uh, platform, and and then looking at additional products. So we have the glycemic product, or the, you know what we have right now. Yes. And for that product, over the next years, what we hope to be is really the new standard of care for, um, you know, treating diabetes. Uh, of course, saying anything that's remotely connected to treating uh, will go through an FDA. 
uh, process. So, so I, we really think this this can be a, a more medical uh, product, uh, given that the years over the years, um, and even before that, it it can just in de facto be you know the standard of care without any health claims that have to do with prevention or treatment. So, so on that side, that's where we're going. By the way, our go to market is much less about direct to consumer. Uh, and it's a lot more about health practitioners. So uh, that's that's our focus, and that's how we are going to market. So it's all with partnerships with uh, dietitians, diabetic educators, uh, endos, um, who are looking at the diabetes uh, population per se. Uh, so not to say that healthy people will not buy this, you know, online, and it's it's going to be open, and it's a it's a great way to learn. So we open B2C, you know, for that purpose, just to really understand on the app side what people uh, are more happy about, what needs to be improved. There's still a lot of improvements that we're going to do and features that we're going to include based on feedback that we got. Um, so it's going to be a much more, as I said, uh, medically oriented solution for those populations. And then on the gut microbiome platform, uh, what I envision is really uh, a lot more uh, research into the data that we have to find potential collaborations with pharma companies, with the food companies, you know, so really allowing people um, access to the database to to find additional products that are interesting and fueling, you know, getting our additional development around additional products. So we're looking, for example, into the microbiome. Right now what we're giving people is a really simple microbiome report that doesn't really say a lot. Uh, we know other companies are saying a lot of things about the microbiome, yes. some of which we really are, think are, are just groundless in terms of the science, and that's something that we will never do. Um, but we do have the database to really look at the relationships between the gut microbiome and health and you know indications and things that we will feel comfortable scientifically to say we will definitely roll out over the next six months brilliant well it's um it's yeah it's a fascinating area i'm, I'm completely intrigued by the, the work by weitzman the the information they publish is just incredible and yeah this is really a uh you know, emerging area that could really change, yeah, as you said, the, the care of diabetics and so forth. And, yeah, I'm really impressed with day two and it sounds like a really ethical pursuit. Um, and, yeah, I just want to thank you for your time. You've explained it really, really well and I think our, our listeners will be fascinated and, and waiting to hear more in the future. Well, thank you very much um, for the opportunity, you know, to, to tell more about day two to all the listeners out there. Oh, great. Perhaps we can... Uh, Meet again in a couple of years' time when we've got some um, further developments, maybe some data back from the, the clinical trials, and we can really um, sure. see what's going on there. Well, thanks sure, again, of Lee. Of course, and then, of course, when we open Australia. Yes, yes, I think we'll have um, many years' <laughs> waiting. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks again for your time, and um, look forward to uh, so much, speaking Lee. to you again soon. Okay. Thanks, Lee. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Clinical Podcast. Find us on iTunes and leave a review. Join our practitioner-only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates, and more. Visit metagenics.com.au to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast, and sign up for our e-newsletter.